0: The button
1: has been pushed. Commencing podcast now.
0: The red button, the red button. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and anything else we feel like talking about. Here in the uh, what is 2022? We we're six weeks into 2022. It's still 2020. It's just one giant year. Let's be honest. Yeah, the, the time is a flat circle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so is the Earth. I'm gonna. I'm becoming a flat earther. I've decided that I'm going to be a flat earther.
0: Yeah, well, with streaming TV not keeping you on a particular schedule and working from home and not having to meet, you know, it's very easy to lose all of these little grips that we had on a time-driven day, so. Oh, my God. I don't even know what day it is today. Honest to God. Yeah, no, it's very easy. I, I have to look at my phone sometimes when I wake in the morning and say, oh, okay, it's this, it's this day, which is, that yeah, but the, the New York area... I know a lot of offices are making noise about reeling people back in, at least for the hybrid work and a bunch of the financial firms down in the lower part of Manhattan where they make all the money or say, oh, you got to come back in March or mid-March. And so we're starting to see now that in the city, at least, that Omicron has blown through that this return to office thing seems to be picking up steam again. Microsoft just announced, I think, out in at least Washington state uh, because they've got cases Falling in high vaccination rates, they want people to start coming back to the, the Microsoft offices in Seattle next month as well. So maybe this whole two-year interlude could be coming to an end for some people. Yeah,
1: let's hope. Let's hope. Because I miss being in the studio.
0: Yeah, the, the whole personal interaction thing. When you don't do it for two years, you kind of realize... Oh yeah, there's family and and people you live with, but the whole like we're all going to have to get retrained on office socialization about okay, this is when you go to the water fountain and this is how you behave in the hallway and and the elevator because we haven't done it for so long and people forgetting have gone feral in their way, So <laughs> I
1: I can imagine. I know exactly who has gone feral, myself included.
0: Yeah. So so, so we'll see. But while we, we shall you say. know we're waiting for. These things to come back. Uh, Are are you excited? At least uh, speaking of the streaming TV, the Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, announced it was going to come out May 5th. The Obi-Wan miniseries is May 25th on Star Wars Day in the the big Disney Star Wars uh, live action. So we have that to look forward to at least.
1: There's so much stuff, so much stuff I have to watch. So much stuff that I think we're going to have to do a whole segment to talk about the stuff that I'm watching now. So why don't we talk about that like after we do the news?
0: Yeah, yeah. Why don't we do the tech first and then the pop Sounds after good. that, and and you can uh, the catch me up because you you're usually way ahead of where I'm at with the streaming thing because I tend to get very uh, distracted and and down the rabbit hole to some documentary series and for you know, wandavision wandavision has been out for a year or so.
1: There you go. There you anyway, go. Anyway,
0: let, let's uh, let, let's roll into some news here. As you know, another Super Bowl has has come and gone, and even if you don't like the game itself, the commercials tend to be the draw for people who really don't care about football or who just want to go to parties and eat snacks with their friends and not really pay attention to the game. But there's the Super Bowl, and then there's all the hype over the very expensive commercials that run in the breaks of the game. And this year's event was notable for the large number of ads for cryptocurrency companies buying those very pricey ad spots. And normally, like the Super Bowl, I think, okay, they're going to sell beer trucks and Doritos, you know, during this big game. But I, I was watching it, and there was at least, I think, two or three cryptocurrency advertisements. One was for Coinbase. And the only thing in the ad was this multicolored or color-changing QR code that was sort of bouncing around the screen like a Pong ball that was just lost and trying to, you know, break out. And so it got people's attention that, hey, what's this this floating QR code? So everyone goes and they get out their phone and they focus on the QR code and they go to the site. And it apparently it crashed the Coinbase website or overloaded it so much, So which is probably not good if you're going to spend all this money on a Super Bowl ad to have this very coy QR code bouncing around and, and making people wonder what it was, maybe shore up your back end so your website doesn't crash when millions of people take you up on that offer. That's good advice, JD. Good advice. Just putting it out there. But the cryptocurrency did, I think, for a lot of people who were still on the, the fence about, do I want to pay more attention to this? The ads did have an effect of the App Store download charts. After the game show, people were apparently intrigued enough to uh, start downloading cryptocurrency apps so just to check it out. So... I don't know if this is going to be a a big shift to the digital coins, but time will tell. On the topic of app stores, Microsoft has announced a set of 11 new principles for its own Microsoft app store intended to promote competition. Now, these new rules are in line with the Open Apps Market Act legislation that the Senate just advanced in an effort, among other things, to get software companies to treat all apps equally and not favor their own programs. We know who does that. And... This move comes as Microsoft is trying to win regulatory approval for its $68.7 billion purchase of video game publisher Activision Blizzard, which it needs to sign off of 17 regulators around the world to get that deal approved because of all of the, the various antitrust and and fair practices laws. So Microsoft all of a sudden uh, decided we're going to have these principles uh, for, for fair competition as we go through this regulatory process where everyone's looking to make sure we're not going to form a giant trust. So hey.
1: JD, completely coincidence. Completely yeah, coincidence.
0: the timing, they were going to do it anyway.
1: I'm sure they were going to do it anyway.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's happening, and I think it'll take a while for this video game acquisition to actually get through. So we'll, we'll be checking back in there frequently. Now, Samsung, they always tend to kick off the big product year with a very early-in-the-year event. I think it used to be timed around Mobile World Congress in February. But Samsung recently held its Unpacked 2022 event uh, to show off its new Galaxy S22 smartphone line and a few other items here and there. You as a Galaxy owner, uh, I don't know if you pay attention to Samsung's product calendar, but they, they did roll out some new stuff. The new Galaxy S22 and S22 Plus, they don't look that much different from the older Galaxy S21 models.
1: They don't. They don't at all.
0: Yeah, they got some new colors, and I guess... Older models had sort of a, a cheaper plastic, but they put that a super tough Gorilla Glass Victus Plus on both the front and the back to help make the phone be more durable. So you have some Gorilla Glass wrapping your phone now to, to keep it uh, safer from the dropsies. Um, nice! Both phones have a 10-megapixel camera on the front for your selfies there, and three cameras, the three-eyed raven that you hate, on the back. The screens are uh, 6.1 inches for the S22 and 6.6 inches for the S22 Plus, hence the Plus. The S22 itself starts at about $800, and the Plus version will start around 1000 both at your, your sort of lower now, which is considered lower the 128 gigabyte capacity with 8 gigs of RAM. But it was the Galaxy S22 Ultra, not Ultron, the Ultra, That might be turning photographers' heads, especially if you do a lot of smartphone photography. The Ultra, which has a starting price of $1,200, sports five cameras, including a 40-megapixel selfie camera on the front and then four cameras on the back. And one of these is a 108-megapixel wide-angle sensor, and then they've got... You know, your telephoto and, and your, your regular lens. So four cameras on the back, one on the front. That is a lot of camera in a phone. And the Ultra has Why? a 6.8 Why? Inch Why? screen. Why? So it's, it's for people who are serious about their, their smartphone photography. So just buy a camera. Well, you know, people want the all-in-one device because they don't want to carry a bunch, you know, they don't want the Batman utility belt going around. And another thing, because you were a former Note owner, I believe. I still have my Note. I still use it. Yeah, well, we'll savor it because I think they've discontinued the line. I think this Ultra has sort of taken the place because they made it compatible with the S Pen Stylus. So, you Uh Galaxy Note, as you know, the model previously associated with both the Stylus and Pants Fires a few years back was not in the lineup. So, I guess maybe the Ultra is is moving in. Are are you still using your Note? Are you deeply attached to it? Are you sad that perhaps it may have come to the end of the road?
1: I am. uh, Actually, now that I can run Android 12 on it, it's kind of zippy. It's hanging in there. And it's a note ten.
0: So this, this five camera super expensive model does not appeal to you? Yeah, I'm gonna have to say uh, negatory on that one. Yeah, because if if you thought three lenses on the back, turn at you it creeped you out, just imagine four. Like we're getting into like spider eye territory here. Yeah. No. Nope, no, 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 no. I'm not listening to you. Yeah, no, I I myself I do a lot of smart I was very intrigued, but you know, we'll see what Apple does in the fall, because I am kinda like up to my neck in that ecosystem. But Samsung does make very nice hardware, as you have shown me, when we were back in the studio. Handsome Galaxy products. Uh, moving on, uh, Tinder, the popular site for finding new friends, has announced a change to its pricing policy for its premium tiers. I guess the premium tiers, they offer more features than your basic level, as premium tiers do. When let me, Tinder let me say launched- something here.
1: Hold on one second, JD. You are a classy, classy person, okay? Tinder is a site to find Friends,
0: this is the Midwest version of this. <laughs> yes, very classy. All
1: right, continue. Yes, I'm um,
0: sorry. Yeah, friends and benefits. You know, it's all all there on the site. Uh, but I hear you but, can um, find friends
1: on Grinder too. Yeah.
0: Yes. No. It's, it's you know you can find a nice uh, companion. <laughs> um, now, uh, when Tinder launched its premium subscriptions, it used age based pricing, which was designed to make the service more affordable for younger users on the theory that they were just starting out in their careers and not making that much money. They need to meet people and all of this, and so they have these pricing tiers. But the company has just announced that it will be discontinuing age-based pricing across all its global markets this year. Uh, the decision was perhaps influenced by a class-action age discrimination lawsuit filed in 2019 that alleged people over the age of 30 were charged up twice as much for the same subscription services. And although Tinder agreed to pay out $24 million to sell a suit. The company's age price pricing did not really go away until this year, so they uh, decided that no tender you got to charge everybody the same price for the same services. But uh, also, man, in I'm a-
1: ancient. I wonder how much they would have charged me. I've been like ten times.
0: Wow. Did they like, wait till you upload a photo and then they decide what the price <laughs> is going to be? Um, I don't know, but but there, there's also another age-related news item this this week. Documents released in an age discrimination case against IBM appear to show the high-level company executives were discussing how to downsize the ranks of older workers in favor of building up a younger workforce because they wanted to keep up with all the other tech firms who were hiring millennials left and right. So, and IBM, when you think IBM, you don't really think of the fast, nimble at least to me anyway, a new tech startup, because they've been around for for a while. But IBM was realizing that they they wanted to keep up with Accenture and all of these other younger employed firms. And so some people filed this lawsuit and IBM's like, no, no. But the lawyers have have had some documents released from all of this so that the court released some. And it says these filings reveal the top IBM executives were explicitly plotting with one another to oust older workers from IBM's workforce in order to make room For millennial employees, this is a quote from Shannon List Rorden, a lawyer for the plaintiff in the case, talking to the New York Times. Uh, The paper quoted Adam Pratt, an IBM spokesperson, saying IBM never engaged in systemic age discrimination. Employees were separated because of shifts in business conditions and demand for certain skills, not because of their age. However, as some of the emails reportedly show, executives were openly bemoaning the lack of younger workers and trying to figure out how to get rid of the, quote, Dino Babies on staff. Wow. IBM may need to explain, oh, maybe it's pronounced Dino Baby, I don't know, but you get the idea. <laughs> um, and especially the, the, this lawsuit is, is gaining, some they're trying to get class action status for it too, which uh, could really open a, you know, <laughs> Jurassic Park uh, there, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the older workers are not having it, and, You know, you gotta value all your employees because the older workers have the knowledge. Yeah, the the younger workers may have more energy, but the the institutional knowledge there uh, you you cannot discount that. That's just crazy. Moving right along, uh, if Venmo, Zelle, and all the other smartphone payment platform options just aren't enough for you to move your money around electronically, Apple has just announced a new one that's coming later this year. And it's called Tap2Pay, and it's for its iPhones, specifically the models with the near field contact chip in there, you know, the one where you can tap to pay at the, the cash register terminals and subway stalls and all that. So, uh, you need to have a, a phone that's at least got that chip in it. But uh, if you want to use Tap2Pay, Apple is working with third party payment platforms like Stripe, and merchants will be able to accept contactless payments through a supporting iOS app. And they'll need to have an iOS enabled phone, I think an iPhone XS or later. But they, instead of having to have a a swipey thing or a cash register or a payment terminal in the tap-to-pay scenario, the customer holds her iPhone or Apple Watch near the merchant's iPhone and uses Apple Pay or another digital wallet to just pass that electronic money over. Contactless credit cards and debit cards are also supported with this. This payment is completed then uh, using the secure NFC technology. Could be very useful for small vendors uh, like those running stalls at the farmer's market or selling swag at comic book conventions or people who just don't drag a lot of hardware around uh, for them to process credit cards. So this could be kind of a big thing once it rolls out if it works as intended for small business. Speaking of the fruit-themed toy maker of Cupertino, though, eagle-eyed code watchers have caught a glimpse of something called Reality OS in GitHub open source code and App Store Upload logs, leading to fevered speculation that Apple's long-rumored augmented reality headset might be you know, getting closer to, what you call it, reality. The industry analyst Ming-Chi Kuao, who uh, we know who has a very good track record of knowing what Apple is up to and, and leaking it out there, says the Apple AR VR headset will use two of Apple's M1-style processors and be able to seamlessly switch between AR and VR modes. Now, Mark Gurman, who we also know uh, gets a lot of Apple scoops, originally from 9to5Mac, now he's at Bloomberg, He reports that Apple wants a headset to have its own app store with a software selection aimed at gaming, streaming, video content, and video conferencing. Bloomberg has described Apple's matrix-like platform as an all-encompassing 3D digital environment designed for gaming, media consumption, and communication. There's no precise timeline given for release, and things could get even more delayed due to developmental issues that you discover on the way and also that pesky supply chain. But rumors are whispering in the corridors that the Apple AR VR headset would arrive maybe late 2022, and then a more streamlined, sleek pair of augmented reality glasses would not be long after that. So they're going to do the giant thing on my face VR headset and then have, I guess, more of a a sleek Google Glass kind of eyewear thing as well. So I'm sort of intrigued by the concept, but don't really want to dive in to put something on my head yet. What about you?
1: Oh, I was waiting for you to ask me. Nope. Not going to happen. Nope. Although my son is dying for the Oculus. And I'm like, no, I don't want to give money to Facebook. No.
0: Would he take like a a, a competing brand or do you want him sort of like lurching through the house with a thing on his head and and smashing things as he he plays the game? He's an
1: 11-year-old boy. He's lurching through the house and smashing
0: things anyway. All right, so, so maybe uh, we'll wait till the, the VR uh, technology matures a bit and get some, some things that you know you're not constantly smashing. <laughs> Moving on: Facebook, Metaface, Book Meta, whatever's it's calling itself these days, having some economic woes of its own: Instaface.: Yes, Instaface. <laughs> The company has also uh, been losing members uh, for the first time. Uh, I think, Kaiser, you led the way years ago of, of life yes. without Facebook. Yes. And uh, younger users are decamping for the hipper platforms of TikTok and Snapchat anyway. So in addition to its own growth stalling out, privacy measures that Apple put into its iOS software last year uh, really took a bite out of the old Facebook ad sales as much as $10 billion with a B dollars and lost wow. advertising revenue because people decided they didn't want to be tracked after all. And so these factors all led to a whopping 26% drop in the company's stock price earlier this month. So all the analysts are like, is this a trend or an anomaly? Will Facebook become the next friendster? You know, time will tell on that one, but I think it would be a while. I think if I don't really see 2 billion plus people abandoning the platform completely, but if they start losing a lot of people who just, like, the young people aren't going there because TikTok's more fun and people get burned out because of the politics or they just realize, uh, like you did, that it's an enormous aggravating time suck and you could really be much happier interacting with people in real life and, you know, you you chuck Facebook off your computer, then that's not good for their uh, business either. So they've got that to deal with. And then uh, Metaface and its business practices are also facing scrutiny from the European Union regulators. This is an ongoing tussle. There's always something
1: They don't mess around. They don't mess around.
0: Yeah, uh, and the EU is apparently writing legislation that would control how the user data of EU citizens is transferred to the U.S. You know, Facebook's an American company, got a lot of servers here in the States. Europe and its uh, parliamentary folks there are not too pleased that their citizens' information is being whipped across the Atlantic and uh, stored on these American servers. And so they're making noise about enacting this legislation that would prohibit Facebook from doing that and meta-Facebook, you know, they... The whole Meta thing, I just can't remember my brain, that's what it's called now. But anyway, Meta said it may have to shut down Facebook and Instagram in Europe if it cannot keep transferring that data back to its American servers. Now, Axel Voss of Germany, who's also a member of the EU Parliament, tweeted, Meta cannot just blackmail the EU into giving up its data protection standards, leaving the EU would be their loss. And so that was, you know, I think a, a waving finger there. German economy minister Robert Habeck piled on, telling reporters at an event, after being hacked, I've lived without Facebook and Twitter for four years and life has been fantastic. While French <laughs> finance minister Bruno Le Maire said at the same event, I can confirm that life is very good without Facebook and that we would live very well without Facebook. Digital giants must understand that the European continent will resist and affirm its sovereignty. End quote. So, ooh, big disses from France and Germany there. Ooh, so, yeah,
1: my name is not, I can actually confirm as well. Didn't miss a beat, people. You can live without Facebook.
0: Yes, you are. You are free. Your life will actually be better. It will improve. You escaped the matrix. Yes. Yes. So, um, all right. So, so you and France and Germany are on on the same page there. So, and I, I think some of this was, was saber rattling. If Facebook is already starting to get nervous about things, yanking your entire European market out is <laughs> not really going to help your business growth. I wouldn't. I'm not a business major, but I'm just thinking. You know, I don't know who they think is. Being terrified. <laughs> I mean, really?
1: Oh no, I can't have my Facebook pages up? I mean, you know,
0: MetaFace, what are you thinking? Come on, nobody is terrified. Yeah, I could just picture the French just, you know, blowing some smoke rings and, you know, wee oui, wee oui, bonjour. Puffing on their Gauloises.
1: You know, if it was like Exxon or something like that, you'd be like, okay, you know, if they pull their oil, that might be a problem. But, you know, oh no, how can I live without my?
0: Facebook yes without my kitty videos oh every day. God Facebook so, so we'll see you know where that's gonna go it's it's been a very litigious year already and finally and finally you know it's new emoji season we have new emoji every year the Unicode consortium is rolling uh, out the new uh, little pictographs and Apple's iOS 15.4 update uh, which I think is expected to arrive this spring might even be in this uh, March announcement that they're supposed to be having. About 37 new pictographs are expected to arrive with the update, including the hands making a heart sign, a melting face—I don't know if that's a global warming thing or what—a saluting face for, I guess, your military uh, folks, an empty bird's nest, a bird's nest with eggs in it, a glass jar, someone pouring out a glass, a playground slide, an actual troll— a low battery icon and a disco ball. All of these are, are in the new set. Uh, Google's Android 12 L, which I think is a version of Android for bigger screens like tablets, is also getting the added emoji at some point. It's kind of exciting to to go through your emoji keyboard and all of a sudden see new things that you didn't know were there after you have had an update. Or are you intrigued by any of the, the new ones coming? I'm just surprised there hasn't been a disco ball before. How can you go this long without a disco ball? And one of the things also, they're putting in um, lots of handshakes of different skin colors, uh, shaking hands. And so you, you've got a huge library of those to choose from. And then beans. There, there's some beans that all in you know, them. It's like magic beans or what. But, but yeah, so some kind of peculiar items. Legumes? Beans are great, though. Yeah, legumes. Wow, okay. They look, look like kidney beans to me. Uh, I like kidney beans. And I'm not a, a total bean expert, but th- that's what they look like. Maybe pinto beans. Red beans and rice. I'm good. That's it. Yeah, the Holy Trinity in there, a little little hot sauce. Oh, and, yeah, And you're nice. set for your Monday night dinner there. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, so uh, anyway, that that's it for the news. If anyone out there would like to know more about all the things we chatted about, we will have a page of links on our show page at poptechjam.com.
1: JD. Pedro. I got to ask you a question. Go right ahead. This is a legit question because this really confuses me. What is it with all of these directors and Hollywood types who take issue with Marvel movies? I don't understand this. They claim they're destroying Hollywood and destroying filmmaking and even directors who make big popcorn movies are like getting upset Martin Scorsese got upset whole bunch of people I don't understand this Hollywood always made big blockbuster
0: movies popcorn movies yeah since like the Flash Gordon serials and even back before then is it because Marvel's got a large empire? Maybe they're hogging all the actors, or people's attention for art house films and serious fare has lowered because we're all really into She-Hulk. I mean, what, what's I don't what, what's her beef? <laughs>
1: I would, yeah, you know, She-Hulk. I, I I get it, but no, I mean, it seems to me they're still making indie films and they're still making pretty interesting adult
0: films. Yeah, I just watched. Don't Look Up last weekend, and you know, that, that was not a Marvel movie. It was a satire, but it wasn't a Marvel movie. So. It sounds like
1: Benjamin Cumberbund is only doing Doctor Strange movies. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he's
0: got Power of the Dog going on. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and last I checked, attendance at Marvel movies was not mandatory. Um, no, exactly. And, and not stealing from their bottom line if the audience you know, has free will to go see what they want to see. But is, is it just the perhaps there's a, the amount of Marvel movies? I,
1: I don't know. I gotta say though, it seems to me, and please forgive me for painting with a broad brush here, but it seems to me that the audience for a Martin Scorsese movie may not be the same audience that's gonna go to a Eternals movie or you know a Spider Man movie. You know what I mean? They're not going. They're not going to choose one over the other. If anything, they'll watch both. Yeah. The reason it just. All of a sudden, pumped into my brain was because I saw the Doctor Strange trailer multiverse thing, the sequel, mm-hmm. and apparently Doctor Strange is the is is replacing Tony Stark as the father figure for Spider Man and all that stuff. I haven't watched Spider Man. I'm waiting till it comes on Disney Plus or whatever. Same, but the trailer which I saw on YouTube has what appears to be a clip of maybe possibly Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Oh yes. Right, which means that they're absorbing in this multiverse thing, they're introducing the Fox character.
0: Yeah, so does that mean all the the legal copyrights and lawsuits are over now and they can actually mesh the world? Because that was why they had to be separate before, because there were different studios copyright. Well, of Disney bought Fox.
1: They bought the Fox library, so they literally own now the X-Men movies. They own the Fantastic Four movies. So they're bringing this in to the universe. So... I'm thinking, well, why is that a bad thing? I mean, I'm I'm not even being sarcastic or facetious, whatever the right word is. It's like I legitimately don't understand. You go watch a Marvel movie or you don't. That's it. Anyway, that I just had to get that off my chest. I will not be going to the movie theaters in the near future anyway, so it's not a problem. So
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because you know, if it wasn't the bed bugs, it's the virus germs and, and also New Yorkers can be a tad rude in in actual movies, and if you paid $20 for an IMAX thing, you don't want to have someone talk all the way through it. So yeah, I I can see the appeal of sitting at home in your nice, comfy house and, and watching the film on your own terms. Plus, you know, you can do your own bathroom bakes, so... Maybe they're seeing Marvel as like the Walmart of movies and it's taking out all of the small stores on Main Street. I mean, I, I, I didn't read the the uh, article that you did uh, where people were complaining about it, but.
1: Oh, it's been a series of articles. It's just people, it's all over the place. Anyway, let's, instead of the movies, let's talk about TV. Specifically, the Marvel-DC battle that's going on on television. Mm-hmm. All right? Because, you know, this fascinates me, being a comic book geek from way back. Yes, I'm absolutely yes, and, and fascinated you were, by
0: you Were you DC originally and went to Marvel, or were you Marvel and went into DC, or were you both?
1: I was Marvel originally, but I always loved Batman. So Batman was the only DC character. Couldn't stand Superman. I mean, Superman, would do that that was the stretch in the Silver Age when he was fighting, you know, like, gorillas and, you know, big giant robots and stuff like that. And Batman had turned into a more serious character after the Batman 66 TV series, so Batman stories were really great, but I had always been Marvel. Fantastic Four was the first comic book that I ever got into. Then I got into Thor and all that stuff. But anyway, the TV landscape is fascinating to me with the comic book wars because DC has gotten it right. Not to say that Marvel isn't doing a hell of a job. Hawkeye is a great series. WandaVision, fantastic series. They spend an enormous amount of money to get it right hey, Moon Knight looks fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it seems like Marvel, with the the big Disney backing too, they have a lot of money and they can afford to be a little bit more playful and take some chances with some of their properties and do shows like WandaVision, which were, you know, if you haven't seen it, you know, it's it's high concept, but it's really effective. And maybe, you know, a a company that's a little more conservative wouldn't want to take those creative risks. But DC has... They've been doing a lot on TV, like the whole CW network and all of that. They were launching a lot of comic properties there. Or are you seeing them on TV, or are they doing more in the movies? I know the Zack Snyder movies were not particularly well-reviewed for DC properties. The last Suicide Squad movie
1: was very good. I mean, really very good. And the spin-off series, Peacemaker, from that series, which was originally a Charlton comic book character, is fantastic. It also clearly doesn't have the budget... That the Marvel shows have, but the acting, the the idea, the the just the the entire vibe, it's a heck of a lot of fun. It's the number one show in the world right now.
0: Peacemaker. Ooh, I did not know that. Okay, so and and you are are watching along.
1: I am watching along, and it just fascinates me how DC is getting it right on television, on streaming, but having so much difficulty in the films. It seems like you know. They should be in the same category as Marvel. They have the money to spend. It's not like they're hurting for cash. They've got Warner Brothers or whatever, whoever owns at and I don't even know who owns them anymore. But the fact is, they should be able to compete with Marvel. They can do the same thing Marvel is doing. And in Black Adam, really? Was that who they bring out next? That's the next movie from DC. Black Adam mm,
0: yeah no the DC the, they the first Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman was the last DC movie I think that I really fully enjoyed and there, there were bits of I mean the sequel was not good. I think there was too much studio interference in that and parts of Aquaman were kind of interesting, but a lot of the DC movies they just seem to be really heavy and leaden and the Marvel movie franchises and maybe it's their choice of directors just lighter and even though they're fighting big scary, villains and things are ripping the world apart there's a, a sort of levity and a sense of hope and optimism and i think part of that is marvel's long history is kind of the scrappy underdog to dc for a lot of the the 20th century so i don't know if that is just playing forward into their their properties but and and dc did not always be able remember the superman movies of the 70s that we sort of went to the theaters when we were young and thought they were fabulous and and all of that and then all of a sudden Marvel has kind of figured out how to do movies and and this giant TV labyrinth of their entire universe getting woven together and, and DC's getting the TV, but yeah, the movies is just there's something there's like some some type of, you know, leaven in there that's missing from the the big bread of a DC movie. Yeah,
1: you know, like I mentioned before, I'm looking forward to the Moon Knight television show. I was a big Moon Knight fan from Marvel. Whatever Peacemaker second season, I'm in.
0: All right, so that one's got you.
1: Yeah, Titans is a great show. They're getting it right. I mean, the Flash, the Arrowverse type thing, that's like, meh. You know, Stargirl's okay. But overall, DC is really doing it right. I have no interest in the Flash movie. I have no interest in the fact that they're bringing back seven or eight different Batman. You know, this this Batman movie that's coming out next month, no interest in Star
0: Oh, yet. the one with our uh- Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, I think you were not vampire. pleased with that casting in the. Yeah, yeah, the the I saw a trailer and thought, like, "Oh wait, this is a Batman movie."
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm not looking forward to it. But sticking to TV, have you ever heard of this movie, "What We Do in the Shadows"? By, it's a vampire movie, a vampire comedy mockumentary by I'm going to butcher the name, so forgive me, Taika Waititi. Is that the director's oh, yeah, name? yeah, he did he, yeah, yeah, because he,
0: he did The Mandalorian, yeah. Yes, yeah. he
1: also did The Mandalorian, and and it, he did it with, I don't know if you remember the show Flight of the Concords, Jermaine Clement, mm-hmm. New Zealand, yeah. both of them. They did this goofy little mockumentary movie called What We Do in the Shadows about, you know, a, a cabal of vampires, and it was just silly fun, but they have a television show that's on Hulu-based off the movie and in fact the characters from the movie end up being in there so you know it's a they obviously they're cross-pollinating again they're building a universe much like marvel you know and they actually have another that was just on on new zealand television but i think it's streaming here called wellington paranormal which was a spinoff from that movie that same vampire movie with two cops two goofy cops investigating paranormal activity in Wellington New Zealand but it's just pure fun silliness and I cannot recommend it enough I love Taika Waititi's stuff I mean he just he gets it he can be equal parts funny and serious this is goes strictly on the funny side he can make big this is Netflix you say this no this is on Hulu the TV show... Hulu,
0: okay. Hulu, yes.
1: Right. The the movie, the television version is on Hulu. The movie, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I watched it on Amazon Prime, but I had to pay for it. I believe that Wellington Paranormal... Wellington Paranormal is on HBO Max. So you have to dig around if you want to do the, the whole thing. But it's a funny... I think I'm
0: going to have to get a chart here.
1: Yeah, exactly. If you watch only one, watch the TV series. It is... Hilarious, like laugh out loud, funny. And you know, from what I've been saying uh, over the last two years through the pandemic, is that I don't want anything serious. I want, there's enough seriousness going on in the world right now. I want fun. I want light.
0: Pure escapism.
1: Yes, pure escapism. Same thing goes for The Witcher, season two. The first season of The Witcher was incomprehensible to me. I mean, I could make no sense of it. So I wasn't actually going to dive into the second season but I'm glad I did. Got better. It got better. It's a tighter story. They did a, lo- a lot of time shifting. So it was like in the first season. So you're like, well, why is this person here? They were dead. What's going on? I don't understand. But they dropped that gimmick and they tightened up the story. It's big, goofy, monster fighting fun. If you like the books, you're going to love the series. If you like the game, you're going to love the series. There's so much. Yeah, that's Henry Cavill, right? In a, in a
0: right, wig and a wagon.
1: Right. Superman.
0: Yeah, d- doing your kind of like Game of Thrones, you know, filling in the gap there. Yeah,
1: apparently he's a big uh he's a big gamer. So, he he wanted to do this. But anyway, there's a lot of good television out there. So, I'm I'm having difficulty catching up. So, next up is Boba Fett. I still haven't watched Boba Fett. I'm still way yeah, behind. Yeah, you got
0: to cuz people are going to spoil you cuz it was only seven episodes and then oh, aired now. So, you I you, know. you got to like lock yourself into the room and just blast through the Boba so you don't I get spoiled. I think I do.
1: I think I do. I'm going to have to I'm definitely, and I got to finish Hawkeye from Marvel, and I didn't even mention that they took off the, the 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 Marvel shows from Netflix. Remember, they had Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Power Man. They're all gone. They might. I, I don't did, know. Where did they they're get reeled
0: up. over to Disney, or are they just on the show? For no, a while?
1: Disney. From what I understand, they won't show R rated stuff, so it might end up on Hulu. So who knows? But I yeah, haven't finished yeah. watching Jessica those shows Jessica Jones either.
0: had some dark, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That wow, got so bad.
0: yeah, you've got, you've got to have a whole, like, scoreboard of stuff that you need to oh, catch God, up on.
1: I need spreadsheets. Anyway, we should thank the bros.
0: Thank you, bros.
1: Thank you, bros. If you think it, they will build it.
0: And we must thank the listeners. We hope everyone is having a decent 2022. So far, we're six weeks into it, thereabouts, maybe a little more. It's been wintry here in, the, in this hemisphere, so we're just kind of... Biding our time, waiting for global warming spring. Uh, probably next week. <laughs> but we hope everyone out there is doing well and staying safe and keeping up with everything. So thank you, listeners. Thank you, Bros. Thank you, El Kaiser, for putting up with all of my news rambles.
1: Thank you, JD, for putting up with my TV ramble.
0: So now that everyone's been thanked, we will wind this one down, uh, be back hopefully uh, in a couple of weeks with some more headlines. I'm sure something will be going on in the tech world, not to mention TV. And we do have a lot of spring science fiction to uh, look forward to. So until next time, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado.